Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. So what are you talking about today? We are talking about Sex in the City. <gasps> Mom. Wait a minute. I'm doing Cosmos. I'm ordering Chinese food. You yes. Know, for And Just Like That. And for Just Like That. Wait, it's Mom. Who do you think I am? Yeah, you could be a Carrie, but you might have a little Samantha in there. That's right. That's the correct answer. That's right. Okay, Definitely well. Definitely not Charlotte. Definitely not Charlotte. Okay. Love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. I'm not finished. Rose, you are putting us in serious legal trouble. Not the whole well, it sounds like we have our new theme music that we were looking for. <laughs> Honestly, I feel like I'm giving um, Kim, Kim Cattrall, Cattrall scatting. scatting. <laughs> Kim Cattrall, we are invoking your name today. You are with us in spirit. Now that you have passed on to the <laughs> other world. No, I'm just saying, like, I want her energy around me. Dumb bitches unite. Right, but socioculturally, a lot of people are treating her like she's dead. Which I'm sure she would appreciate. Because she's not. Samantha is the one that figured it out. Both in the show and in real life, she was like, oh, there's actually huge toxicity and dysfunctionality to this friend group, and I'm out. Mm, well, let's not get ahead of ourselves. 
let's take a little trip to New York City. A New York City that, like, definitely is not the real New York City. No, but not based in any sort of reality. Um, and we're going to talk about Carrie, Miranda, Charlotte, and, we're, yes, we're, Samantha. We're not talking about Charlotte. I we will... I, we do will, you have anything to will, say about Charlotte? We will Charlotte. talk about Charlotte and her shiny, shiny hair. Of course. Um, this is Like a Virgin, the show where we give yesterday's pop culture today's takes. I'm Rose Damu. And I'm Fran Torado. Um, unlike Carrie, who only was ever thinking about what was going on in her life, let's think about what's going on in the world right now. Yeah, and, uh, you sounds know, good. Look at what's going on in pop culture. The biggest thing I think this week was Spotify Wrapped hit. Yes, the breaking news of Spotify Wrapped and Be- watching it, it, so it, many of my ex fuck buddies post about the fact that they again for the third year in a row were in the top point five percentile of Ariana Grande listeners. <laughs> See, Very uh, so grateful to know that my top five artists this year were no surprise to me. Number one, Taylor Swift. Obviously, Taylor Allison Swift. Say her name. I keep forgetting that her middle name is Allison. That's so jarring. Number two was Lord. No surprise there. I love Lord. She had a new album come out this year. And I you listened. and I had the same number one and number two artists. I listened by the way. to her a lot. That that tracks. <laughs> um, number three, Kate Bush. Yes, God. <laughs> I listen. On brand. I mean, Kate Bush is one of my favorites of all time, and I do listen to her all the time. Mm. Number four, Olivia Rodrigo. Sour was big this year for me. Mm. Number five, Phoebe Bridgers. This was the year that I became a Phoebe Bridgers stan. What are what are Bridgers stands called? I I don't know. Little little skeletons. Uh, Yeah, corpses. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sure there's a stand name. Have you seen? Have you heard that TikTok sound where it's like someone who anytime they see someone as a skeleton, they're like, Phoebe, (laughs) you are sick and you are married. So my top artists obviously are all thematically linked in that they are all women. They all make like a very kind of, you know, personal kind of music. I also subscribe to the exact same genre of music, which is soft-spoken, like, alt-girls who love writing songs about personal growth. Girls that love therapy. You know what I mean? Yeah. So who are your who are your artists? So my top artists were Taylor Swift and Lord, same as you. Then Phoebe, as a, as a number three, coming in hot. And then I did listen to Casey Musgraves quite a lot this year. But I will say that it was more of continual re-listening of Golden Hour and maybe not as much of the new album, which I still loved, but you know, it it had its hits and its misses. Yeah, it also, was it was mostly okay. I don't know this for a fact, but I would also wager that um part of the reason she's in my top five is because I really love the song from her Christmas special, Glittery, which she does with Troy Savon. And I'm not even a Troy Savon stan, but the song is really good. Well, you are sick in the head. I'm um, sick in the head. For you, so wait, so and then my fifth was Billie Eilish. Interesting. Well, we can talk about it. Let's talk about it. My, my, what we're, I'm curious to know. I'm not talking. a little eyelash. I, you know, I have grown. I to like be... her, but I just don't like her that much. So Taylor was your top artist. Taylor and, was my top artist. And what was your most listened to Taylor song? It was Ivy, number two underneath Moon Song. My top song of the year was Kyoto by Phoebe Bridgers, which I love because really? Phoebe sings with kind of like a lock jaw, mm. and so it's like a. Day off in Kyoto before the temple looked around the 7-Eleven. 
<laughs> yeah. It's like she has her jaw wired shut but is singing through it. And I, you know, as much as I loved Solar Power, Solar Power. Solar Power really brought me back to melodrama, which mm, it I, all leads back to melodrama. I baby. all roads. I'm ashamed to say when it first came out, I didn't love it. And so <gasps> I, I never really gave it a trail. Okay. I'm thinking of the love club, the love club EP. When that came out, I just like had an idea of what I wanted Lord to be. And so when it went into Jack Antonoff territory, I felt like it wasn't my music anymore. And in hindsight, like I don't think that I was thinking about it in a very well-rounded way. And I also didn't really know who Jack Antonoff was. But I basically all I'm trying to say is we need to give him a break. The girls need to like take his cock cage off and give him like a a year or two to to get the creative juices like refilled. Especially since I don't really feel like his imprint was really on solar power at all. Like I feel like Lord really drove all of the album and pushed him out I, of it. I hear it a lot on songs like um, Fallen Fruit was is maybe my favorite song oh, on that wow. album. And I think like the, the instrumentals and the harmonies on that to me Sound like Jack. are very Jack Antonoff. Okay. Anyways, basically I discovered Melodrama and Solar Power this year, which is why Lord is, okay, in my, is great. my second. You know who else I think needs a little break culturally is Lin-Manuel Miranda, <laughs> who... Um, you know, love love him or has hate him. Has made a cool body of work. He's, like, very polarizing to some people. I think to the gays, honestly. To the gays, yeah. But we saw um, Encanto on a Friday, which I Encanto. loved. I thought it was a, a great movie. Did not love the music. Um, Did not also love, hate to say it, the vocal ability in the movie. I, I felt yeah. like the, char- the voicing was perfect. The characterization, perfect. The vocal ability, not there for well, what were mediocre yeah. songs. Well, you know, these aren't the days where you, you know, hire a celebrity to voice a, a Disney character and then have someone else sing the songs. Yeah. You know, you have someone do it all. Right. And not everyone can hit the notes. Yeah. Find the note, baby. Find the note. I also, I mean, I appreciated what felt like maybe an intentionality to give slightly raw vocals. Like there was pretty much it's no raw. Uh, <laughs> there was like no slightly R A W R raw. The raw jar. Um, there was no there was no auto tune. I don't think or what I detected. I didn't hear auto tune. No, that was not one of the magical and, powers <laughs> they had. Auto tune. <laughs> For those of you that haven't seen it, we're not going to spoil anything. But the the premise is it's like a family in Colombia that um. All, every member of the family kind of possesses these kind of little mystical powers um, and that all come down to like this magical candle that they have that keeps this like living, breathing house yeah, it's alive. A, it's a magical diptyque candle. It's a magical diptyque. It's a Byredo candle. It uh, costs $100. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it burns forever. <laughs> it burns forever. Um, and this, it was other uh, outside of – so we led with the, the negative critique. But overall, you and I – Came away, Lo- loved, loved it. the movie. We loved. sobbed. Sobbed. Uh, I will say, it. the film had kind of an abrupt ending, and I did leave the theater with my face still wet from yes, my tears. Yes, me too. Phenom. I have to say- Excited um, for Encanto 2. I don't want to spoil the movie, but I will say also a beautiful meditation on what it means to, you know, upgrade your home, to stop buying IKEA furniture, and to start <laughs> investing in uh, the Urban Outfitters catalog. Perhaps the uh, the Jungalo line at Target. Um, it's about what it means to one up your interior design. Zhuzh. 
Well, I think I, that was. I kind love of, that for you, as someone who doesn't own any furniture from Urban Outfitters. Like, as someone who doesn't own any furniture, period. Okay, that's <laughs> that is true. Um, but I am, you know, right now consuming a lot of Christmas things. Like I'm trying to get you to watch Twelve Dates of Christmas, which yeah. you like are kind of refusing to watch. I'm not refusing. I'm just I have. It's wa- it's watch season right now. I baby, have a lot of things on my plate. But baby girl, we the way we loved Fuckboy Island, and this is Twelve Dates of Christmas is Fuckboy Island mixed with the bisexual season of Are You the One? Oh, mixed with Love Actually. It's a little more pansexual, but yeah, I understood what you were saying. I, all I've been able to think about while I'm looking at you is how cozy your Skims hoodie looks. <laughs> Don't I do not want, expose I want, me, Fran. You have to get over this because you keep like talking about Skims as if as if it's like this dirty secret you have, but you. <laughs> Every time you buy a new item, you tweet about it and are like, oh my God, LOL, no, I bought another skin thing. <laughs> it's like, girl, just accept it. You love Kim Kardashian. You're a skim you are a skimmy stuff. I'm a skim influencer. I do actually You're not I, a skim influencer because they haven't sent you anything for free. Well, honey. they famously do not like there are no skim influencers. There's there no free are, pro- but no free like, product. But they're like actual like famous people. Yeah, yeah. Celebrities um, right, right. But I do think I might need to get that sweatshirt it's it looks cozy, extremely right? cozy you should you should get it get it um speaking of cozy <laughs> been listening to a lot of christmas music lately and i feel like um you have really told like been sending me everything kelly clarkson this season there is uh, there is a new queen of christmas i'm not saying like she's coming for mariah Care- careful, what you, I, careful no 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 careful, i'm not saying careful. that at all mariah is the undisputed queen of christmas mm-hmm. but I have known for years that Kelly Clarkson was a voice in this space, quite literally. Uh, space. Um, I love Wrapped in Red. <laughs> oh my God. And Underneath the Tree, I think, is one of the best contemporary Christmas pop songs. But Kelly Clarkson is coming really hard for the Christmas season this year, you know, because she has a new Christmas album out. Um, she did a song with Ari, question mark? Yeah, there's a there's a song on her album, which is called um, Santa. Santa Can't You Hear Me. Santa Can't You Hear Me. It is a bop. Oh, and also, she just covered Seven Rings on her talk show. What? Yes. Wait, why? And it's so good. She ate. She ate. But the thing is, she does that. She can do that to literally any song. She well, could she do that does. To, That's what she does she, every day on her like, show. She would do that. She to... covers a song on her show every day. But like, I've never watched her show, but I know She could take, like, the most annoying... Like, what's, like, the most annoying song? Like, Feliz Navidad. Like, that song <laughs> sucks. And I say that as a, Latin, as a Latin person. I think it's fun. Feliz Navidad? Yeah. That is the most annoying Christmas song, point blank, period. Anyways, I, I love this for Kelly. I feel like, um... The thing that makes Seven Rings is the fact that Ariana Grande does not enunciate a single word. And Kelly Clarkson is a theater girl. And so she will give you, you know, what to do to die to death. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And lyrics are important. As I was reminded this week when I, um, out of curiosity, listened to Joshua Bassett's new song. Do you know who Joshua Bassett is? I remember him as the... Uh, full subject matter of Sour. You're right. He is the subject He is the uh, co-star of Olivia's from High School Musical, the musical, the series. Right. Um, who she dated, and it is widely known, is the breakup that inspired Sour. Okay. Uh, and, like, most famously, Driver's License and Trader. Mm-hmm. Um, he dropped, like, a, an EP, I guess, this week. I only listened to one song because I heard it was, like, the song that was about Olivia, oh. and it's what's, called. What's the name of the song? It's called Crisis, 
and the first lyric in it is my my label said to never waste a crisis so it's kind of all about like using pain for profit in the music industry wait wait, wait but he and, released like, this when on Wednesday. Okay, sorry, honey, you wasted the crisis. This happened months and months ago. Like he well, did you know, not get this out soon enough. If yeah, this was going to no, be a but diss it, track, it's still like it was trending. Like the girls were fighting. I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, but he and so like in the song, he basically accuses her of like, you know, reframing everything to make her look hmm. like you know like more of the victim in their relationship than she actually was like he even he even alludes to the fact that she was the one who broke up with him and not the other way around oh oh that is a serious accusation and and that like you know he was like reaching out to her and all she was doing was you know like you like making the best of a crisis and becoming famous from it and you know what baby it worked. I, she went to the Taylor Swift school of yeah. turning your interpersonal drama into money. Profitable art. Yes. yes. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. Well, I don't know about you, but, like, I never liked being told, oh, wow, you look so good for your age. Like, why even bother saying that? Why don't you just say you look great at any age, every age? That's what Meaningful Beauty is all about. We create products that make you feel confident in your skin at the age you are now. Meaningful Beauty. Beautiful skin at every age. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. Could just be in me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu.
I don't think it's going to be surprising for anyone to hear that Sex and the City is deeply important to me, was extremely formative for me. Mm-hmm. Fran, was it for you? You know, um, it is very easily a top three favorite TV shows for me of all time, but I didn't start watching it until late college. And then I think I didn't finish it until I moved to New York like five or six years ago. I think it's like a distinctly like kind of like late 20s, early 30s show because they've grown out of um, they're still really messy, but they've grown out of a lot of like, you know, things that you do in like your first like kind of decade of relationships and doing relationship stuff. And now alongside that, they're dealing with all this adult stuff related to getting an apartment, getting a job, like all, you know, the things that the show kind of follows. It, it is people who are a little more settled into their selves and their identities and their careers. Like, it's not a show where, you know, Carrie moves to the big city and, like, has to figure out what she wants to do. Like, she starts the show as an established writer, everyone else is, like, established in their professions. You are kind of dropped very immediately into all of their identities. Yeah, you are. And then it's this thing that I am now finding as I get older, when all of that stuff is kind of figured out, like, when you have a stable job and income and, like, basically all of your basic human needs are met, then you start being yeah. like, oh, what else is there to focus on? Love and relationships. And it's like... That is so tea. I've never thought about it that way. What do you think people think misguidedly about Sex and the City? I think that people take for granted the fact that despite how, like, problematic and of its time slash dated now it is, it still is a really deep show that introduces ideas that were ahead of their time. That doesn't mean the whole show was ahead of its time, but there's so many different encapsulated moments and ideas that have stuck with me as a person forever. Like, period. Even though it's also so stupid. Well, if you have been living under a rock or, I I guess, are like a teenager and you don't know what Sex and the City is about, Sex and the City is... Based on a column that Candace Bushnell used to write, and it is a fictionalized version of her named Carrie Bradshaw, and it's about Carrie Bradshaw, who's a columnist for the New York Star, which is not a real newspaper. She writes a weekly column called Sex in the City, where she talks about her romantic exploits and also the exploits of her friends, um, and which I also like... Did her friends read her column ever and were like, um, can you stop talking about my, that that's my personal life? Okay, actually, the only time it, that her column does affect her personal life, which it should every episode, but the one episode where it did was when she was dating... Oh, the politician. Yes, the politician, which is the only guy that she really should have stayed with. He is what my, one of... We'll get to this later but like is one of my favorite love interests oh, for of Sherry's sure. and maybe the whole show right, the right. one who wants her to pee on him in the shower which is like such a fine ass but that's the thing is that okay so if we were to talk about you know the things that people get wrong about the show the things that they get right about the show is that it is so um kind of prudish like, yes prudish well it, Carrie is some the moments worst moments. sex columnist the worst she is such a prude she wears a bra to bed with 
she never. <laughs> it must be said that she wears. She never curses. She's like so true. sexually unadventurous and so boring. The, and so she all she does is mine her friends' personal lives for her column because she isn't getting any. Not she, she's in doing missionary. You know, like she just has the most vanilla idea of like what it means to have sex because all of her ideas around like sex and intimacy are too tied to a storybook fairy tale of what love is. And I think it convolutes the goals that she actually has and therefore she doesn't have any good Well, Carrie is a romantic at heart. Um, But thankfully, the show is rounded out with characters who have different perspectives on love and sex and dating and relationships. There is Miranda, who's a high-powered lawyer who very much is like guarded and doesn't want to let love in. There's Charlotte, who is, you know, like um, an art gallerist, weirdly, which like makes her feel like she should be much more progressive than she is, but is actually, like, a Park Avenue Pollyanna who just wants to find Prince Charming and get married. And then there's Samantha, who is a publicist and... A A very good publicist. A very good publicist and a sex-positive icon who just wants to fuck her way through New York. And has. They are all, like, um, identifiably very good at their jobs. Uh, But what's confusing is that Carrie is a columnist and still... Like, she shouldn't make that much money, but she can still afford, like, Manolo Blahniks and an apartment that has a corner you can turn. Yeah, but, like, this is a fantasy. That, to me, is, like, when people have critiques of Sex in the City, that one, which is, like, how does she afford all the shoes, is, like... No, it don't, baby. We the got big. Sh- we got bigger fish well, to fry. I think it's she's independent. It's wealthy. a. It's I a. Think it's that. a fantasy. It's not about that, of course. But she, of course, she couldn't afford that. But like, to, if you really want to, if you really want to find like some kind of rational excuse, like Carrie Bradshaw's an it girl. She is maybe right. like a proto influencer. That's what I was gonna say. A primordial influencer for sure. I feel like um, if we were to kind of create a maybe a little bit of a rationale for the writers, I do think that maybe in this age, when did this show come out? 1997. So in 97, maybe this was before print media crashed. Do you remember? Like, oh, absolutely. So, like, this it, was like during the newspaper the, boom. The, cave, the caveman years of the internet. And in that era... Oh, it like, actually premiered in 1998. Okay. So in that era or like a little bit before that era, like writers were getting paid really well. Like you could get paid like a few thousand dollars to write one feature and you have like a month or two to write it. She you know definitely I mean? could have made a living off of her column, but not the kind not of the living. Not the Manila Blahnik. Not the kind of living, living she had. They do make allusions to like she's in an extreme amount of credit card Debt. There's oh, a, right. you know there's an episode in season four after she's broken up with Aiden where she has to like get a loan from Charlotte to buy her apartment. Okay, wait, wait, and wait, she wait. says, I'm literally going to be the old woman who lived in her shoes. Wait, wait, let's break this down quickly because it's actually that she needed to get a loan from Charlotte. It's that Carrie looks at her bank account for the first time in her adult life and she goes, oh, I'm a billion dollars in credit card debt. Charlotte, if you don't lend me $30,000, you don't love me and you're not my friend. She literally does that. You know, I actually always used to think about how much money, like in that episode, Carrie sees is in her checkings and savings account and have kind of like held that to myself as like a I never want to be at that point where I have like as little money as Carrie Wait, Bradshaw they show has. the number in it? I want to see no, it. No, she says it. She says she has like 700 in her checking oh my God. and like 1500 in savings. Oh. And she is so 
I I wonder how much credit card debt she had. A lot. I'm, I'm assuming I, I have a, tens I, of thousands of well, dollars. Well, there's an episode in season one, The Power of Female Sex, where Carrie um, goes to buy a pair of Dolce & Gabbana canceled um, fuzzy <laughs> shoes. A lot of Dolce and, in the series. And the cashier cuts up her credit card because the company told him to do that. Like, right. can you imagine anyone ever – can you imagine, like, going to Trader Joe's and they're like, oh, the uh. – like you try to use Apple Pay and they're like, they told me to do this. They take your phone and can, throw it on the can, ground. Can we imagine your Trader Joe's cashier crush doing that? Let's not speak of him because I'm I think I might have to go there later today. I'm going and after he's this gonna too. be there and I'm like not prepared to see him. I love that you said that he's but gonna I did, be there like, because you I did know dress when his, kind of cute. You know when his shifts are. Oh, I I, I do know when <laughs> when my Trader Joe's crush Tra- works. Trader Joe's cashiers are diabolical. They, they are, are trained manipulators. They are trained in the art of seduction like James Bond villains. It is disgusting and insidious. Speaking, though, of crushes and love interests, you know, obviously a huge part of Sex in the City is all of the different love interests that Carrie, Samantha, Moran, and Charlotte have had over the years. Who is your favorite? I, I, I guess, like, let's start out with, like, the big ones. Samantha, you know, she's mostly about sexual exploits, but she does have some very significant relationships, which are Smith, Jared, and Richard Wright. Yeah. Charlotte has her two husbands, Harry and Trey. Uh, Miranda really kind of only has Steve. Um, <laughs> well, she has a lot of, like, uggo Yeah, yeah, Steve. yeah. But Steve is the main relationship. They and all kind of high-key date some, like, really busted men. And then Carrie has Big Burger... Aiden and Alexander fucking Petrovsky. Oh, I forgot about the guy, the fucking Russian guy. I forgot about that. So, of for for all of the women, who's your favorite of their relationships? Un- unfortunately, I am extremely basic and predictable, and I, I do think that Smith Jared is is so gorgeous and a really good lover to Samantha, and he does invite her. Out, he he kind of invites her out of her old ways. Like he says, like Samantha, you have intimacy issues. You can't really love someone. I'm showing you a way that I can love you, but you can still be your own woman. And I, I thought that that was actually really well done. And even though he's so much younger than her, that they are perfect a perfect match. But in terms of who I am, like I have absolutely 100% been the Miranda in a relationship with at least two Steves, if not three. And and every single time, it's like this guy who is an abundance of, like, golden retriever-esque love, like, d- wants nothing more than to just love and hold this person. And I, Miranda, like, cannot understand or comprehend why someone would love me. And so I hold that person at an arm's length. And it creates all of this tension. That that rings true for me as well. I like what you said about Smith Jared. I do think that I like Richard Wright because he's the person that first really cracks Samantha open. Mm, yeah, he and is. like the relationship ends in a very devastating way. But is that the one that ends with the sh- where they dance in the shot with the Sade song and the I don't know. Anyways, that no they 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 go swimming to a Sade song. Oh, and I love the, that yeah. scene. Um, but. Yeah, um, Richard is the first person who kind of makes Samantha vulnerable. And even though, you know, obviously we love Samantha being the, like, bitchy slut icon that she is, I also like those moments where she gets vulnerable. What's Um, interesting about the four women's love lives is all four of them, 
like throughout all six seasons are dealing with basically one singular intimacy issue and all all four of them have intimacy issues for different reasons it's like samantha has conflated like love with sex and only pursue sex and can't see love around that and then charlotte has you know a, a worm brain that has been you know demented by i don't know anglo-saxon christianity and she thinks that like women should be pure and wives and like whatever and it like makes her unable unable well to, like, i truly... think I also think with her, it's that she thinks that the way things look is more important than how they actually are. Right. Which is what you see happen with her first marriage with Trey, who, like, is on paper the perfect husband, and then they have all of these intimacy issues and end up getting divorced. But, (laughs) I mean, I am Team Trey because he's played by Kyle MacLachlan. I mean, he's so fucking sexy. And Kyle MacLachlan is... He's so good in that role. It's, he it's is. such he's, it's a singular he's perfect. Alrighty. A, a true character. Like and, a, a character role. And he gave us Bunny McDougal, his uh, his mother, who is one of the best characters. She I I honestly I don't know if she's alive, um, but I wish she was gonna be in and just like that. I wish she was replacing Samantha. Right. Oh my god, that would be incredible. So and so Charlotte, yeah, is like caught up in this idea of like being a wife. And then Miranda is the quintessential, like, I'm not in love with a man, I'm in love with my job, girl. Like she is like conflating her self-worth with, boss. with yes, her career and like how she goes to work. And then Carrie is caught up in this like fairy tale-esque idea of love that is an artifice and like a not real, you know? Yeah. And, but for me, like, with Charlotte specifically, I think it's such a gag that she got married to Kyle McLaughlin and had they had never had sex. And only after they get married, she discovers that he can't get a boner. But you know what? Like, you, you think about sex in the city, and, like, when you think about the sex, you, like, immediately think about Samantha. But I think of all of them, especially in the early seasons... Charlotte has the most yes. boyfriends and has the most sex. And some good because, sex, too. Because the tension comes from her values, like, bumping up against what men wanted. And and also, I think, the fact that deep down, she was, like, an embodied sexual person, as you see. Like, I love that scene where she and Trey are working through his his impotence and, like, They've been talking about the whole, like, Madonna whore dichotomy. And she's like, I'm a woman. Like, I'm not a Madonna and I'm not a whore. And, like, I think it's a really, like, nice moment of her, like, owning her sexuality. And she gives us in the early seasons some of the best, like, funniest moments dealing with sexuality. Like, I always think about the scene in the cab when, like, one of her, the men she's dating wants to do anal. And so she picks all the women up in a taxi and they're they're talking about it. And, like, Carrie lights a cigarette and the cab driver's like, you can't smoke in here. And she's like, we're talking up the butt. A cigarette was required. And then the cab stops short and Charlotte goes, what was that? And they go, a preview. But I'm ching. Um, but, like, I, talking about anal sex on TV in 1999, like, no one was doing it. To my point, that's why, like, there are so many moments of the show where it's just like, oh, that really was ahead of its time. I really want to know who your favorite, like, love interests were. But you also reminded me of a quick moment where I, when Charlotte dates that guy who, like, checks all the boxes, he's, like, basically perfect, except for the fact that every time he comes, he goes, You, you fucking, fucking bitch, whore, you, you fucking, fucking whore! whore. <laughs> He says, oh my God. you fucking bitch, you fucking whore. <laughs> and every time he does it, she's like, what? Why did you say? He's like, what? I, I didn't say anything. Like, he just, like, blacks out. It's really funny. Like, that is, like, that stays funny. That's that's another thing about this show that I really adore is, like, 
yes, so much of it is so dated, but things like that. It's like, that will be funny for decades. Yes. Anyways, who are your favorite love interests? Who, who? Well, we've already kind of talked about, like, some of the other women. But I will say, like, I think some of the biggest divides are about Carrie's boyfriends. Because Carrie is the main character. And I do think, like, in a way, she's kind of, like... A, an avatar for the audience like she's a little bit of an every woman yeah she's um, yeah, yeah, yeah and i am not team big i am team aiden i okay i i knew you were team aiden however big is your type um big is one of my types one of your types one of, one your of types. my types but i think actually aiden's are the men i go for so when it, i go for men so if you were to answer the question aiden is your favorite love interest he's for carrie definitely okay he's, aiden is the the love interest that causes her to grow the most mm-hmm. um because of the things that she experiences through him which are cheating on someone getting engaged like right. aiden really forces her to grow up in a lot of ways and I just think he's he's really hot both times he shows up when like the first time when he's a little more crunchy, the second time when he's a little the more haircut. Refined. He gets the haircut. Furniture designer, he makes her that amazing chair that's in her apartment, which I love. The fact that he makes like furniture is actually like too on the nose. And he has like a house upstate, doesn't he? Yes. A lot in of suffered. And very relatably, a lot of the women's love interests are kind of oriented based on the fact of whether or not their love interest owns property. Like the fact that Yes, that's relatable. I have exactly. fucked people just because they had a place on Fire Island. Exactly. I definitely stayed with a guy for like an extra month. Because he had, like, uh, an apartment on the Upper East Side that his parents paid for that, like, I needed to, like, live in for a month for and, free. And, and also, let let this be said, like, I think it's prescient that I bring up that Fire Island analogy because this show was created and for all of its run helmed by gay men. And even though there were a lot of cis-hetero women in the room, I do think that... These characters, to varying degrees, are do not men. do not actually behave like cis hetero women. <laughs> they behave like gay men. That is, yeah, I'm sure there's and like they, an and, essay and, written about this. Or yeah, something. and then and, th- and there is like an element of Sex in the City where it is like gay men's ideas of how cis women engage in the world. Yes. Oh my god. Like oh my god. That's so. Oh my god, Rose. You just blew my mind with that. That's so true because like they're so kind of like again like very rudimentary ideas of like sex and intimacy beca- intimacy because like gay men have these issues. And like if there's one thing we have to thank Michael Patrick King for, it is that he is an arbiter of gay idiot culture. And that to me is like something that the show does really well is like the, these moments where it doesn't matter how many times I rewatch it when Samantha has sex on Viagra for the first time, I will rewatch that scene over and over again until I die. There is nothing funnier. Another episode that does feel like it's, it's something that happened to a gay man. (laughs) Yes, exactly. But you know, I think the seeds of that are planted really early on. You know, there is obviously Sex and the City is a big part of queer culture and there's so much potential for queer readings of it. Mm -hmm. And the show itself sets that up from the very beginning. You know, Carrie's first question in the entire show, you know, obviously she has a question in every episode. Um, Her first question is, can women have sex like men? Which is like, 
the show starts off with this gender subversion. You are blowing my mind right now, Rose Damio. That I've never thought about I that ha- I have thought very deeply and critically about Sex and the City, and I also consume a lot of, like, very smart people's takes on Sex and the City. Um, mm. If you want, you know, like, a more continuous version of this conversation we're having today, I would definitely recommend you check out the podcast, uh, So I Got to Thinking. Right, you which is about it. Um, Juno Dawson and Dylan P. Jones. They go through episode by episode and give, like, a contemporary queer reading of Sex in the City. But as I was saying, you know, the show starts in this place where I think women had and and I think they even say this in the show. Um this is the first time in the history of the world they do say this in the first episode. This is the first time in the history of the world that women have had as much money and power mm. as men. And that very it's a great pilot episode in that it like very succinctly sets up the the worldview, the universe and the you know the questions yeah, that the show will, will be exploring, and a lot of them are like very deeply about gender and sexuality mm-hmm. in ways that like yes, I think have been you know largely applied as the show has like grown in popularity have been largely applied to cis hetero relationships, but there there is queerness in Sex and the City both in terms of like what's on the page and on the screen and also the people who are behind the scenes and in you know, the people who are consuming it and like applying it to the ways that we think about ourselves, our identities and relationships. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. Well, I don't know about you, but, like, I never liked being told, oh, wow, you look so good for your age. Like, why even bother saying that? Why don't you just say you look great at any age, every age? That's what Meaningful Beauty is all about. We create products that make you feel confident in your skin at the age you are now. Meaningful Beauty. Beautiful skin at every age. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. 
You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. So you have very you have given a very salient reading of like implicit queerness in the show, gender role reversal, gay men as avatars for these women, etc. Um but there is also like literal quote unquote queer characters and moments in the show. Yes. Well, I mean, Stanford Blatch, Willie Garson, rest in peace. We've talked about him on this podcast before. He died a couple months ago. I think a lot about the episode where Carrie does a runway show with Dolce & Gabbana canceled. Um, And they basically keep making things for her and she's not really satisfied with them and no one's really listening to her. And Stanford is like behind, is like behind the scenes on the runway show. She's like all dolled up and she's frustrated because she feels like she's not being set up for success and she turns to Stanford. And I wonder if they did this knowingly or unknowingly, but she turns to Stanford and she says, Stanford, no one is listening to me. All they're doing is telling me I'm fabulous. And I, to me, it's like a very meta moment because the failure of Stanford as a character is that all the women and characters of the show do exactly that to Stanford. Like, he has a lot of, like, human moments and a lot of nuance, but for the most part, he is an, the quintessential, like, accessory uh, of, like, a friend. And more often than not, they don't care about his life or his interior interiority. They're just kind of like, oh, my God, Stanford, you're fabulous. He has a couple of, you know, like... Uh, B plots in episodes, but the and... fact that they made him marry that asshole, like yeah. so well, many things so, like that, it's so annoying. You know, we'll talk about the the second movie. Oh in my a, god, in a bit, but like it's so it's so basic. Like ugh, Michael Patrick King really to have the only two gay characters in the show marry each other when they have actively hated each other for the entire series. And not just that, but, like, the guy the guy that isn't Stanford. Anthony Marantino. A great actor. But the character openly makes fun of Stanford's appearance constantly, even, like, at his wedding. And it's, like, that, to me, was... That's hard to watch. Like, I, I and I'm someone who loves crass humor, loves, like asshole humor, loves Veep, stuff like that. It just didn't transcend. Yeah, it's just, it's, like, too easy. Like, try harder, write better. But that is, you know, throughout Sex and the City, like, obviously, you know, we say this is a show that is very of its time. That means that the times when queerness was presented in explicit ways, it was very, very of the moment. Um, In uh, not... Not great ways. Like, you know, of course there is the episode in which Carrie dates a bisexual man and, like, completely, repeatedly invalidates his identity. Easily one of my favorite episodes to date Um, (laughs) because it's so profoundly bad. Yes, and she does kiss Alanis Morissette at the end of a game of Spin the Bottle. My favorite part about that climax is, like, you know, she spent the whole episode being very dubious of queerness, bisexuals, that it's even a real thing. Like, Samantha has this whole moment where she checks her. And to me, it feels like it's reading on cultural sentiment at the time. Maybe criticism of the show at the time was, Carrie, why are you so prude? And there's a moment where Samantha 
maybe the writers took this into account or like took this feedback. Samantha says to Carrie, like Carrie, for a sex columnist, you're pretty close minded. Like, which is such tea, such tea. And I don't know how they weren't, you know, saying that to her. Every, every episode, every episode. But one of the one of the few episodes that like explore that has a queer subplot that I think actually kind of gets it right a little better is the one where Charlotte um, becomes friends with like the lesbian mafia who are buying paintings from her art gallery and like really wants to be one of them and like it it like shows off this really cool fun rich group of hot lesbians and ultimately like. Charlotte is told, baby, if you're not gay, you can't hang with us. You can't keep, like, you know, like, stringing us along. Um, and She's I, like, if you don't eat pussy, you don't belong here. Yeah, but I do, I do like that, that, like, moment of a queer person asserting that a straight person, like, can't invade literally, their space. Literally gatekeeping in the best way possible. But the, the resolution of that episode, to me, what I was saying before about the bisexual episode, has, like, a similar kind of, like... A fin- a, like kind of like resolution where the characters kind of spend this whole arc being like very doubtful of like queer culture that any of this is real and then they have this crystallizing moment i.e. kissing Alanis Morissette or Charlotte deciding whether or not she's going to go on this ski trip with these art buying lesbian mafia people and um, you know after she kisses Alanis Morissette Carrie's just like well, called me old-fashioned, but I'm a homophobe. And she, like, walks down, like, the kind of, like, Brooklyn warehouse, like, walk up. And she's, like, I also love that in that that episode, she's, like, so devastated by the prospect of, like, going to Brooklyn. Like, she, like, doesn't consider it, like, a viable thing. But at the end of the char- of that Charlotte episode, I, I do love that she kind of maybe understands her place. And both of these women in these two episodes, respectively, are looking to be included in or basically are struggling with the idea of being included in something that they don't actually belong to something that isn't for them something that isn't for them and they as white women cannot actually fathom that and that's why they they get as far as they do you know what i mean yes um and you know there's there's other little moments of queerness like the episode where um one of Char- and it's it's funny how charlotte is the one who kind of like in- keeps interacting with this um Charlotte has a, a client, uh, an, an artist of the gallery who does these, um, takes these photos of drag kings and has her dress up in drag. And it's oh, when she's in drag that she becomes like sexually powerful and that this man is like into her. Yeah. And it's like such a great like moment of gender fuckery. With no explicit kind of like you know, crit- criticism on like the gender of it all. It's so like unsaid, but it's still all there. Yeah. And, um, of course, you know, Samantha does date a woman, Maria. Um, Maria! Who, I, I, Fireworks! I just, I just like, my my favorite moment of, of that whole thing is when Samantha takes them out to dinner to tell them, and she goes, yes, ladies, I'm a lesbian. <laughs> and Miranda's, like, sitting right there, like, what the fuck? You know what I mean? Like, I, yeah. And the women have, like, the worst reaction to the, her telling them that. Horrible. Like, of course, <laughs> we've, we've all had that experience of you go out with a friend, they tell you something, and then you leave with your other friends, and you just spend the whole walk home talking shit about yes, them. Yes, That yes. is extremely relatable. It is also still very problematic. Yeah, it's fucked up. But, you know, not to give these women the benefit, benefit of the doubt, but Samantha is very... Poof, I'm a lesbian. Yes, and Samantha's very prone to one hyperbole. Yes, but ladies, 
I'm a lesbian. Yes, but two, like, saying shitty things for attention. Like, Samantha loves doing that. And so I think they are kind of trying to... I mean, well, Samantha being, speaks in memes. Yes, yes, she does. And they're they're both they're obviously being like openly homophobic about it, but they but they they down to the bottom, they see they understand Samantha, Samantha's character and her personality, and that there's something about this relationship that that is doesn't quite ladder up. Now However, I'm just now I'm just thinking about like iconic sex in the city line readings, and I have to say this before I forget it. But when Miranda finds out she's pregnant. Um, there's the scene where she and Carrie go to get pizza afterwards and they're like talking about what, how Steve wants her to keep the baby. And Carrie's like, well, what have you did? And Miranda's like, you know what? You're right. Fuck my life. I'm having Steve's baby. Pizza for everybody. <laughs> and it is like the one of the funniest moments in Sex and the City. Do you think that me. Miranda should have had the baby? Yeah. You do? Yeah. I thought that she shouldn't have had the baby. I actually like that it is, I think her keeping the baby is so much more interesting it from a story perspective That's when, when you're true. thinking about Miranda specifically. And it does turn the character of Miranda on her head, you know? It's oh, yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's what forces her to open up. A and, diametric and, and opposite. And let love in. Um, while we're talking about, you know... Ugh, problematic queerness as it is represented in Sex and the City. <clears throat> we have to talk about season three, episode 18, Cockadoodle Do. Do we have to talk about it? So earlier in season three, Samantha moves to the fashionable meatpacking district, which, as Carrie said, is full of friendly neighborhood transsexuals. And it should be also quickly mentioned that in season three, there is a triad of what are maybe the three of the most problematic episodes of the show, which is the episode where Carrie dates a bisexual, and then right after that, the episode where Samantha dates a black guy, and that's the whole plot, is the fact that, that, she he's, dates it's that he's black. black. And then this third episode where this the, the trans women in her neighborhood are, like, introduced. Yes. In the last episode of the season, you know, Samantha is trying to live her best life in the meatpacking district. But she can't because there are, you know, trans sex workers out her window who are making too much noise, and she... Like, calls them, like, basically every slur you can call a trans person. Yeah. Um, refers to their anatomy in really gross ways, as <sighs> do all the other women. It's violent. Um, she uh, pours a pot of water out the window onto one of them. Yeah. Um, like, and, and... it's supposed to be funny and... Yeah, and they throw eggs at her in, in retaliation. Um, and then ultimately the episode ends with them all having a lovely barbecue together on her roof when they, again, like, make a joke about one of their, you know, genitalia. I forgot that they have this, like, kumbaya moment at yeah. the end. They, and, and, oh, and, and Carrie definitely does, like, a black scent um, in that in that episode, which is, like, Ooh, so no, cringy. No, but she no. is wearing an amazing vintage Louis Vuitton, like, <laughs> romper while she does it. So I guess it's okay. I wonder, and this is, like, so complicated to unearth, like, I wonder what my reaction was to it watching it for the first time. I also wonder... Well, when if, when did you watch it for the first time? When it was airing. No, so I mean, like, where were you in your life? I was a teenager, so... And I'm also wondering, though, like, even though this is awful representation... Was this one of the first times that I understood what a trans person was? Did Sex in the City introduce me to that? Like, because I'm trying to think of what other portrayals I would have seen, and they would have been like Ace Ventura, 
um, yeah. Rocky Horror Picture Show, oh, sh- and then probably this episode of Sex in the City. Yeah, so like as problematic, uh, which uh, you know I hate that word, um, right? Because it's yeah. just like so overused, very and, um But it, in a way, like is was part of me even forming a like the beginnings of an understanding of trans identity. So that is that is the legacy of this of of like this era where you know um, there was all of this media being made. That kind of like popped the lid off of um, how people were living like more progressively in cities like New York. Like, you know, they were putting queer people on the TV screens of people in middle America, but, you know, not not in the best way. You know, New York City really is like this, just as you're saying, a fifth character in the show. Yeah, but it's not the real New York City. It's like um, an Emerald City version of New York City. It's like a, a New York City where everything in that city is exaggerated. And something that I do appreciate about the fact that it may have moved so many people to New York City or you know, in the reverse, injected a lot of things that Manhattanites were talking about um, into the rest of the country where they're not talking about Which them. must have been, like, maybe for some people a barrier of entry because, mm. um, you know, we were texting about Gossip Girl this week and you were saying, like, this feels so insider baseball. Like, they're, right. they're making all of these references that, like, how could people who don't live in New York even understand them? Or and enjoy I was, the show. And I was saying, well, like, that was the whole thing that the original Gossip Girl did, which was really following the Sex and the City playbook. You know, they right. were talking about places and things and references that people who are watching the show, like, you know, in the Midwest or, like, in Florida yeah. or, like, whatever. Still enjoying it. Um, still still, love. still enjoying it and having no idea what they were yeah, talking people about. People still love Broad City, and that's, like, all New York humor. But it also created this fantasy version of New York City that then – the people who eventually went there, mm-hmm. they're going expecting the New York City of Sex in the City. And I do think, like, that fantasy version of New York, like, does exist for the people who believe in it, who go there and who, like, go on Sex in the City tours. And, like, even me, you know, I – um when I moved to Los Angeles last year, my last weekend in New York, my best friend and I did, like – he he had rented a car and like we went around to all my favorite places in the city and not even just my favorite places but like the most kind of like quintessentially New York places. So where did you go? Um, we went to Katz's Deli. We went to Midtown and went to Wicked. Um, th- like not, I mean, it, this was during the pandemic, so obviously it wasn't open. We didn't see the show, uh-huh. but we just like went to the you theater went by the Wicked Theater, and um, and <laughs> we like went by my old apartment on the Lower East Side, and we went to Carrie Bradshaw's apartment, which is in the West Village. Like her apartment is like in and, the in, in the show is uptown. Yeah, that's but what I the thought, actual yeah. like building that they filmed in is. In the West Village. I had no idea. And there's like a little, there's a little sign, there's like a little chain so that you won't go on the steps. And where'd but, um, you go after that? To Magnolia Bakery. Cause Ew! Because it's, it's right around the corner and like also is like a Sex in the City like spot. Because there's a scene where Carrie and Miranda have cupcakes outside of it. <sighs> and like... Sex in the City put places like Magnolia Bakery on the map. Which we are not grateful for. We don't need Magnolia Bakery on the map. And it's because of the prevalence of Magnolia Bakery that after, you know, those moments in the show, all of a sudden, 
every block had a fucking cupcake shop. And the era where Do you e- not like cupcakes? Cupcakes are stupid. They are they're first of all, cake in general is like an unfinished idea. Okay, like, I, I have no I have no space yeah. for, to hold I'm not holding space for that conversation. It's, well, that's because cake you are my, a vanilla cake. Is cake my favorite with, dessert. You are a vanilla cake with vanilla frosting girl, and that says everything that I, needs I to love be said cake. about you. I, Magnolia Bakery, they're not the best cupcakes in New York. I do think the best cupcakes in New York are at Billy's Bakery in Chelsea on 10th Avenue. But I will not hear cake slander on this podcast. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. When Dr. Sabah and I decided to do a skincare line together, he said to me, we are going to give women meaningful beauty. And I said, that's exactly right. We want to give women meaningful beauty, which means each and every product is meaningful. It has a a reason to exist. It's efficacious. You're going to get results. And then you just go out and live your life. Meaningful beauty. Confidence is beautiful. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. Just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent, only in theaters May 17th. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Well, you know, we're talking about kind of the legacy of Sex and the City and the ways in which it has, like, stuck around in pop culture. You know, the show ended, um, and the set, but it didn't really end, because then, of course, we had Sex and the City, the movie, which I do remember, like, going to see the midnight release of. Um, I think the first movie is is really good, um, and a great translation of the series to that medium, but... 
Sex and the City 2. Oh my god. Rotted. I mean, I think they're both really bad in very different ways. But you and I watched the second movie together, and... It had been a long time since I'd seen it. And, I mean, for the virgins, they must know that. Like, we clicked it on, we were like, oh, you know, I think we were, like, winding down for the evening. We're like, let's just watch the first 15 minutes of this. And then we watched the whole thing. (laughs) And it's not not a short movie. (laughs) No, it's not. And and I I will definitely... I can say without a doubt, if it's not the most problematic movie I've ever seen, it's, like, one of the most egregiously problematic movies... I've ever seen for reasons we don't need to get into, but are mostly around what um, the writer's idea of like the Middle East is. Yeah. You know, I do. I had forgotten about this. There is one scene in the movie that I really like that um, has stuck with me. And it's the scene where Charlotte and Miranda have a drink at their hotel and talk about, like, how hard it is leaving their kids at home. And it's the first time in maybe the entirety of the show, um, except for um, some of the scenes around when Miranda was pregnant and there was the tension because Charlotte hadn't been able to conceive, where Miranda and Charlotte acknowledge that there is this thing that that unites them, which is motherhood. The, Even though the, uh, the two characters don't have a ton of like moments together in general. Like, yeah. In um, this thing that unites them, which is motherhood, that the other two women don't share with them, don't want to share with them, and like really can't understand. And it and I, I think it's a really nice scene in an otherwise terrible movie. I so I I think um Culturally, it's terrible, but I, I would rewatch that movie, unfortunately, anytime. Oh, to see Liza Minnelli sing <laughs> Single Ladies? That and also, I mean, yes, I mean, we, we can, I mean, we don't even need to get into the wedding, but I do think, you know, one of the, the greatest cultural contributions of that year, Liza Minnelli covering Single Ladies. I mean, one of Beyonce's best songs, most beloved songs. Really what put Beyonce on the map. Yeah, definitely, definitely. For the virgins that don't know, we are being facetious. It is not Beyonce's best song. But like I I unfortunately really and again, problematic, but my favorite scene in the movie, aside from the scene that you named, which I remember like watching it together and we had just been watching scene after scene after scene after scene of like the worst garbage laugh out loud trash we had ever watched and then that scene happened and we both kind of turned to each other and we were like oh that was that was really nice like yeah you know we had this like we recognized it immediately but right after that there's this scene where you know they're kind of like rushing out to catch their like emirates flight or whatever out of the out of the country and um they need to go back to the souk to like get carrie's wallet or something and as they're rushing through the souk samantha's like bag breaks open while she's like in heat. She's been off her like menopause meds, which I like as an arc for her character and all that stuff. And in heat, like yeah, she's uh, literally, like she, yeah, like she's an omega she's, going into heat. She, yes, she's if in, any fan fiction she, readers out there she's understand what I'm referring to. In literal to. heat, and also in, she's having a hot flash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's what they call it. Right, I know that. I'm being yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, when all the condoms spill out on the floor and they. You know, like, all the people around them are like, oh, my God, these women have sex. That's crazy. And she stands up and she holds the condoms in her hand. She's like, yes, condoms. 
Condoms, yes. It's like it's just like moments like that where it's like okay, like the 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 show can handle handle slapstick. Samantha especially does slapstick so well, so well, and it cannot Car- be ignored. Car- Carrie does too yeah. sometimes, but I think um the the main issue with the movies and like I know you said they're bad. I don't think the first one is bad. I think the first one is a great movie. Well, setting aside of course the Jennifer Hudson stuff. Oh, and also speaking of Jennifer Hudson, if anyone <laughs> wants to see someone bring up the ugly Louis Vuitton purse to Jennifer Hudson in person, I did that when I interviewed her at the Cats. What movie did she say junket. about it again? Um, she thought it was very funny. Then I thought it was super ugly, but she um, liked it. But you can you can go look on my Instagram and see that interview. Um, I think the problem with the films is that they, like, of course, as Sex and the City went on, it became less and less grounded in any sort of reality or, like, realistic version of New York City. And both Sex and the City, the movie, and Sex and the City 2, what they increasingly do is they completely detach and blast off from reality. And Sex and the City 2 just, like, does not take place in our world. And... What I am kind of seeing from all of the, like, trailers and promo we've seen from And Just Like That, which is the Sex and the City um, continuation, reboot, revival show that actually launches the same day as this podcast episode, it does look like it's attempting to bring those characters back to some kind of reality. You see... I guess we'll see how they do the, in the writing. To me, that feels like it'll almost like ruin what makes the show good. It's almost like what I enjoy about the show are its moments of a reality, how it is so, as you said, like off from this plane that we're on in terms of like human relationships. Um, but, but I, you know, I, I do, you know, it could happen. Yeah, but I do think it's kind of like the only way it works in yeah. 2021. And also yeah, like... how could the, they? And also the only like, justifiable reason to bring it back. Yeah. Because we are, like, especially in the moment we're living in, like, still in a global pandemic is, like, we definitely don't want to see the same level of, like, fantastical extravagance that, that like, I think Sex and the City was known for. Like, I want to see these characters be just a little bit more grounded in reality. And I think, like, since it was first teased, like, do you remember this time last year, the first teaser for And Just Like That came out? And yeah. it was this kind of, like, grainy video on the subway. <laughs> yeah, and that, stupid. to me, was, like, a signaling of, okay, this is taking place in a more realistic version of New York than we have ever seen right, in Sex and the City. Because none of these girls have ever taken ever, the subway. Never. <laughs> ever, ever, ever. And I think I think Carrie is on the subway at some point in you, And Just Like That. I hope that it doesn't suffer from... You know something that I think is a a a twenty twenties reboot problem, wherein the show is way too obsessed with the idea of correcting what was wrong with the original to create a good story for the reboot. I think that happens with things like you know the Will and Grace reboot and others like it. Um, I I do as you're saying it. Like I have faith that like Sex and the City is one of these singular things that because it is actually all around such a good show and such good characters that it does have the capacity to evolve and still be entertaining. I I really hope that that's true. Yeah. What I want it to do is 
apply the critique to the show in a way that, at least from the casting, it looks like is act- it's actually doing mm-hmm. without getting too, as you said, caught up in like, see, we learned our lesson. We have Sara Ramirez playing a podcaster. Right. Um, which I do feel like right now we're giving very much, you know, Carrie Bradshaw's podcast. Right. I Okay, so she does have a podcast in the reboot? I, I think so. At least that's what it looks like. Either she's like a guest on someone's podcast or she has a podcast. Right. Um, she also weirdly was wearing the Heart of the Ocean necklace from Titanic. I never would have noticed that, but that is so – yeah, I saw your tweet about that. It's so true. The looks, I, I must say, like some of them have been good – they're not quite giving what they're supposed to give, but that is like because Patricia Field is not part of the reboot, mm. and Patricia Field is what made Sex in the City the fashion juggernaut that yeah. it was. And of course, I want to know what the tea is with Samantha, because as we all know by now, Kim Cattrall refused to do the reboot because of tensions between her and Sarah Jessica Parker. That were like seasons long tensions. The whole, I think the whole show, which is like kind of devastating to know that they hated each other because their chemistry is incredible. Amazing. And I the think, professionalism. And I think like more than any of Carrie's singular relationships with the other women, the relationship between Carrie and Samantha is my favorite mm. because Carrie is the only person who Samantha lets herself be vulnerable with. Mm, that's um, true, yeah. Carrie gets that out of her. And, you know, it's it's just sad to know that that was maybe all acting and that they hated each other. But, <laughs> the whole um, time. Obviously, Kim Cattrall was asked over and over again about her involvement in the reboot. And she said something to the effect of, like, I don't ever want to be in a situation for even an hour when I'm not enjoying myself, which is gold. Bonisima. Which which has been like re, you know refracted through the internet to just the meme of I don't ever want to be in a situation which I I you know uh, rings so true for yeah. me. Well, no matter our thoughts on the show, I I think it must be said that you know the person that Carrie was destined to be with was Miranda. <laughs> yeah, it was Miranda. It was no, it was actually John Slattery's character. Like Carrie really could have enjoyed a life of love, happiness. Um, being wifed up with an extremely successful man while getting pissed on. And wearing vintage Halston. Yes, wearing vintage Halston, being a piss queen, the piss queen that we know she Go is. Go piss, girl. Go piss, girl. Um, now I think it's time to talk about the question that, you know, like, which Hogwarts house are you is a, like a touchstone of like I guess we'll say like millennial BuzzFeed culture. Yeah, this um, is actually like kind of insufferable. I feel bad for the Gen Zers yes. that listen to this podcast. But, but um you know, who, who, uh, which of the Sex and the City girls are you? Well, actually, which one do you think I am, Rose? Um, okay. You can only pick one. Okay. None of this sun, moon, rising shit. Okay. Um, I'm gonna say you are a Miranda. That's correct. Yeah. That's correct. Yeah. Uh, I would say that you are... I mean, okay, I actually would say that you're a Samantha, but I think you know that you're Carrie. That is rings true for me. It has been kind of the, like, not struggle, but, like, evolution of my life is when I first watched the show, when I was a teenager, I was like, I'm a Carrie. And then 
when I got older and like Sex and the City became something I liked in um maybe a more ironic way, which you know we we reject. And when you get um, to that irony period, you grow to hate Carrie. Yes, hate, you grow hate. you grow and you grow to hate Carrie, which is something I've held on to. Carrie is not a good person. She's, she's a bad person. Um so uh, like at that point in my life, I you know was like I'm a Samantha. Now I have swung back around and like I see the parts of Carrie that I don't like are things that I don't like in myself. And I do think I'm a Carrie, which in a way is like kind of the most boring answer because like Carrie is kind of meant to be a person that you can like that you can graft yourself and your identity onto pretty easily. And when it comes to side by side comparisons, I mean, it starts with your shopping addiction. It it starts with my shopping addiction and my propensity for wearing bras to bed. <laughs> no, um, no, you no. You're like, I would never. But, you know, it's I think it's about, like, Carrie is incredibly selfish. And, and also, but, like, if I'm being more generous, like, Carrie is a person who asks questions, who is very curious about the world. Like, unfortunately, a lot of it dead ends with her own experience. But... I think I have, like, that same level of curiosity. I think, you know, as I, I talked already about why I'm a lot like Miranda, I think that self-involvedness is, you know, maybe an attribute that all of the women have, and I see that in Miranda. For me, it's, like, the conflation of, like, self-worth with your career and how that makes you, like, hold men at an arm's length. But I will also say that you and I do have a lot of Samantha-esque qualities, even if we're not Samantha. And every time I take a quiz, I do get Samantha, even though I know I'm a Miranda. Well, you know, I think next week we'll talk a a little bit more about if any of our hypotheses about And Just Like That came true. And next week we will be talking about... A truly one of my favorite holiday movies, Last Holiday, starring Queen Latifah. Canon. And we will be having Ira Madison III, Queen Latifah expert, to come on in and give us a little holiday episode. Yeah, so please, um, if you have never seen it, watch Last Holiday. Go stream Um, it. Pay for it if you must. You can call to confess a thing that you just are so obsessed with. You have to show your best friend what it is. You can call us at 323-PENANCE. That is 323-736-2623. Also, please um, tweet us your thoughts about this week's episode. I want to hear, are you a Samantha? Are you a Charlotte? Are you a Miranda? Are you a Carrie? Are you a Stanford? Are you... Um, a, a funky spunk guy. Like, who, who, you know, who are you? I'm the funky spunk guy. I also will say we've been getting a lot of great reviews on Apple Podcasts. Yes, please keep leaving them. I'm Rose Domu. You can find me online at Rose Domu on Twitter or Instagram. I'm Fran. You can find me at Fran Squishco uh, wherever you want on social media and Substack. You can subscribe to Like a Virgin anywhere you listen to podcasts and please leave us a review. We really want to hear what you think. Like a Virgin is an iHeartRadio production. Our producer is Phoebe Unter, who does identify as a Samantha, with support from Lindsay Hoffman, Julian Weller, Jess Krancich, and Nikki Etor. Until next week, see you later, virgins. Ooh, you really hit that last note. Thank you so much. Right on the nose.
Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elia Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. Well, how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 